0: I'm Riker, and this is pilot. I think that's probably enough, right?
1: Yeah, is that Star Trek? Because I do not recognize
0: that. Yeah, that's the original.
1: <laughs> I apparently don't know what the original one sounded like. You
0: don't like. go back that far.
1: I mean, no, I've that's definitely the first that I watched. Absolutely. I just don't remember the, the original
0: you watched the original original i've
1: told you this i watched it in my history class i watched it with alicia i never watched it at home by any means oh like, you haven't
0: seen it you've seen it here and do there
1: you have any idea how much time i spent at alicia's house
0: <laughs> oh so you've seen a bunch of it okay yeah. well anyway
1: <laughs> how dare you
0: <laughs> star trek day <laughs> every, <Third's
1: getting> feisty. <laughs> every
0: 10 episodes we do star trek uh and in order to make it more um I wouldn't just say palatable but that's not the wrong word. Um I mean that is the wrong word. <laughs> to make it more accessible. Yes. To Shmee, we are looking at some of the newer track entries. Yeah. Um plus we live in an age of streaming, so you know, why not look at some of the fantastic streaming fare that's out there today in the time of peak TV for us. Uh so we just made it through the pilot of Star Trek Picard, which is the most recent Star Trek show in the Star Trek universe picking up about 20 years after we left off in the next generation timeline. Shmi, how do you feel about this?
1: It was really good, although Ugh. I have to say I'm curious what comes for the next episode because we spend a lot of time on Earth, mm-hmm. which for a Star Trek show feels weird. Like, I haven't seen very many, but I was like, ooh, I want to keep Earth. Can we keep Earth and still do Star Trek? Because I'd be into that, but I have a feeling we're just setting us up for where we're going next, and that kind of bumps me out.
0: It's a sufficiently long setup. <laughs> no, it is, I yeah. and I think it's deliberate. I'm glad to hear you say that because yeah. having, you know, read... About the show and watched all the trailers and followed very closely until it actually appeared. Uh, It is interesting to me to hear you say that because what they did with Picard, which was unique, is that they filmed the show in kind of in blocks Mm -hmm. where the first three episodes were directed by Hanel Culpepper, I believe her name is. Uh, And the first three have kind of a similar motif and they're all on Earth. Uh, and then we slowly start getting out of Earth and kind of onto the adventure in four or five, and then you know from there. But interesting to hear you say, as a um, new cover, new fan, yeah. yeah, that Earth appealed to you uh, mm-hmm. and worked for you, and that you made a particular note of it because I have i have seen this pilot now like seven times, but <laughs> uh, so it's no longer noteworthy to me. But I'm glad to hear you make mention of it as a yeah. kind of a novel thing.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's very cool. It's, uh, I have to say, it's Picard at his classiest. He gets to be in France, where he clearly mm-hmm. owns a vineyard. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. I like it. Chateau He's, Picard. Yeah. <laughs> You're so French. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, <laughs> and that goes back to, for the nerds, the vineyard goes back. We saw that first in the season four, episode two. Uh, so it's been part of Star Trek lore for a long time. And this is the first time we've ever seen Picard. On the chateau and living this lifestyle that was his upbringing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's that was again pretty novel to see that, and it yet works. so it's new and yet has deep roots. So fans can recognize it immediately, and then newcomers can see it, I guess, and say, "Cool, here's a new thing that I could actually latch into because it's finally something familiar."
1: Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Not to say that like, what is it, the deck of the Enterprise or whatever, like it. It all looks the same. Like, don't get me wrong. You could, it looks familiar, but it's not familiar in an accessible way. Like it is, if it's on earth, it's like, oh, you're going to use words. I know like we're going to refer to things that for the most part, I'm, I'm familiar with places that I've probably heard of Boston. I've mm. heard of Boston, you know, good old Boston. I've heard of France, good old France, you know, like, it was very exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I heard of Boston and their, their good old baked beans, France and their fries. And so forth.
1: Well, I mean, there was definitely a lot to this already that I'm like, ah, I know that I would have gotten this if I was a Star Trek nerd. But, you know, I'll admit I don't I don't know. I know that there's something about this moment that I'm either supposed to recognize somebody or understand the meaning of something. And I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't any given
0: moment in anything Star Trek you mean?
1: Uh, yeah, sometimes, yeah. at least. Like the very final scene with the cube. I'm just like, I have a feeling I'm supposed to recognize this and that this is supposed to be a big <laughs> reveal and it's not doing much for me other than that's a big cube in space.
0: Hey, but you know it's a cube. You just didn't know it was a Borg cube. Yeah. Right, yeah, it's killing it. Yeah. Um. The funny, uh, yeah, I, wanna, I just want to include the audience on this. <laughs> that... The musical beat when we revealed the cube, the Borg cube, in derelict in space at the very end, mm-hmm. um, and we know and we don't understand the setup for it because people are like commerce seems to be happening there, mm-hmm. like research is happening at this Borg cube. Yeah, um,
1: seems like a real hub.
0: Yeah, real happening place. Uh, and as we pull back, and then the music is hitting, is thumping really loudly. Uh, yeah. And the speakers are rattling. You're saying, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was in effect. Okay. Like I I see that I, I realize this is supposed to be important. Like if I didn't know the music is certainly telling me pay attention right here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: And, and then you said that I don't think you have crappy speakers at all. That was really loud.
1: It was too loud. Yeah. It was just like, you have a decent TV that, I mean, they're not like you know surround sound or anything but they're nice speakers yeah. you know it's a big stock. tv it's yeah big enough. yeah so you would expect that that's not rattling all the time like it was definitely like i was kind of <laughs> concerned for your tv and everything else had been like a normal volume so it wasn't like Riker turn down the tv this is ridiculous it's like what the, <laughs> what are you thinking guys <laughs> well here's what
0: i love about this because i think you proved what i would have missed because uh-huh. i look at the board cube and i go oh my goodness tell me more what is going on this is crazy Noteworthy, by the way, that this is the first time we've, we've... This is the first sequel to anything in the Star Trek universe since 2002. Everything's been a prequel or set somewhere else in yeah. the universe or a different timeline on a further back time. So this is an era that we'd never seen before. So if you're a fan, there's a lot of surprises here. The Borg Cube, that was a big surprise. But, but it's fun for me, or amusing, I should say, to me uh, as a nerd, that... Um, Well, I'll just own it as a Trekkie. For me, (laughs) as a Trekkie, um, it was fun to... Or amusing to realize that Star Trek has this age-old problem that it's had for decades of how do we expand the fan base? Like, how do we communicate to the nerds? How do we keep it nerdy? How do we keep it Trekkie? Uh, How do we not violate, you know, their expectations and make this accessible to somebody else? So to hear you say, okay, with the music... Uh, it's hilarious to me because I think you nailed it that I wouldn't have noticed that they are communicating to you specifically hey this is important Google something <laughs> Google cubes and Star Trek yeah. like I feel like it's the filmmakers not desperately but very um, desperately <laughs> <laughs>
1: Deliberately, if nothing yeah, else. Yeah, very
0: deliberately trying to include you in areas that's trying to communicate, hey, this is sort of a Star Trek lore that we need you to <laughs> catch up on so you can enjoy the rest of the show. So let's talk genre.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So normally on Star Trek, we put Star Trek. Um, This one I put not Star Trek. Like Interesting. kind of Star Trek, but like what about that really felt like Star Trek other than you get Picard, you get people of, you know, like, I saw Vulcan in there. I saw Romulan in there. Like, they're familiar, don't get me wrong, but this doesn't feel like Star Trek until that last scene where we're on the cube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Up until that point, it feels like, I don't know, vineyards in France. You know what I mean? Like, old men retiring. It had, like, a fun, a fun feel to it that most Star Trek doesn't. Not to say that Star Trek can't be fun, um, but it definitely had, like, a different air or weight to it. it didn't feel like it took itself seriously in a way that's not fun i guess
0: um i'm i'm fishing for in my mind i mm-hmm. uh, thinking of if, if to me this wasn't star trek then what genre would it be and honestly I, I, it's I'll, still
1: sci-fi futuristic so i put true. star trek people but futuristic earth rather than on a ship in the Starfleet or okay. on the base so, the setting is just completely different. So, I, st- I still know that they're Star Trek people, but like, I don't know who, like, I, I don't actually know who number one is. Other than the dog, who is number one? Like, if this Riker. is Star Trek, who is number one? Riker is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, but like, say, I've never, I have no context for next gen.
0: Oh, yeah, you, know? you wouldn't know.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, if you are not somebody who already knows Star Trek, I don't know that you would consider this Star Trek in genre.
0: Well, that's fair, where everything else has the same framework, the same, mm-hmm. mm, if you will, word that I can't remember right now, for example.
1: Oh, yes, that word.
0: Yeah, uh-huh, that one. Thank you. You know the one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> formula. Okay, yeah. Where there's a familiar formula, and this one deviates from it entirely. Absolutely. I would say that's true. Um, I actually I had written on my genre card, Star Trek. And I wanted to continue and write, um, but like, cinema?
1: But, yes.
0: <laughs> so, to, to comment further on what you had just said, um, would you say that it's a sci-fi drama in the Star Trek universe? And the Star Trek universe being kind of just a tag, like, let's just recognize that it's the Star Trek universe. Absolutely. It doesn't even need to be. It has a specific genre, which seems to be a sci-fi drama.
1: Absolutely, yes. And it's a
0: mature sci-fi drama. It's an adult sci-fi drama about an older guy yeah. who's being called to an adventure. Absolutely. Cool. Actually, you know what? I, for, I'm going to go ahead and say I think this is one of the... Uh, I think this is the greatest Star Trek pilot.
1: So far, from the ones I've seen, definitely.
0: Yeah. And and to be fair, that's, that's not saying much. Although, I should say that it's the greatest Star Trek pilot of the modern Star Trek era, and I go back to 1987 is the modern Star Trek era, which is the next generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original series has two pilots, which is unheard of. I think even still, I think it's the only show that's ever had two pilots. Uh, and that was The Cage with Captain Pike, which is so good and such a real fine piece of sci-fi. And that's before Star Trek was a genre, right? Mm-hmm. So so I might need to put that in its own little legacy yeah. um, category. But of the modern Star Trek pilots, I think this is by far the best pilot. And what you're telling me here, that it's a sci-fi drama is its genre. If we accept that sci-fi drama is a genre of its own and it doesn't need to be categorized as Star Trek to be enjoyable, I think that's why it's so good. Yeah, definitely. Because like the best Star Trek movies that are, you know, that I grade on two scales, is it good Star Trek and is it a good movie? And sometimes it succeeds in one and fails in the other and sometimes it succeeds in both, rarely, but sometimes... Um, <laughs> this is one where I feel like you have a great pilot, uh, and you have great Star Trek, which is a rare and wonderful thing. Uh, let's, so can we say then that was, I mean, I've tipped my hand, but I'm, I, I give it a pass. Definitely. Yeah. So that one's a pass. Uh, now shall we dip our toe into the character category?
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Um, we first meet Picard and re, I guess reintroduce Picard and Data for anyone who, I mean I feel like even if you're not a Trekkie you know who these two people are and maybe I'm wrong
0: I would think so I'm pop culture
1: right that's kind of what highly I'm highly recognizable I am definitely I run in nerdier groups than you do
0: <laughs> so
1: I'm like I don't know I told somebody at one point that comic-con's mainstream and I got a hell of a look so <laughs> I think that I think nerdy things are pretty mainstream and they're not actually so mm. <laughs> I have no context I guess is what I'm saying
0: Well, today, uh, yeah, we open up to the Enterprise D, um, which was destroyed in Star Trek Generations in 1994, the year 2350, (laughs) I don't know, in the 24th century. Um, Blue Skies was the song, you won't know this, but Mm -hmm. the song sung by Data at Riker and Troy's wedding in Star Trek Nemesis, the final Next Generation movie. Okay. So we haven't seen Data since then when Data died. Uh, and we open up to Blue Sky sung by Bing Crosby, which was really uh, an interesting way to open because it was, I thought, a beautiful special effect sequence mm-hmm. and pretty, it was just pretty.
1: It was very pretty. Yeah.
0: And the song was, you'd never really seen that. In Star- it was a really unique Star Trek opening. Absolutely. I think that lent to the cinematic quality of it. Uh, and you have Picard and Data playing poker, which is an old TNG thread uh, that came up a lot. On uh, 10 Forward, which was the bar that was run by the bartender Whoopi Goldberg, guy in The Next Generation. Uh, and interesting dialogue between the two. Yeah. Would lead me to a quote where uh, Picard is stalling as they're placing bets. Uh, and Data asks, Why are you stalling, Captain? And he says, Because I don't want the game to end.
1: Yeah, I wrote that was my first quote as well. Oh. Crossing it out now.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, and then they see Mars outside the window and Mars explodes.
1: Yeah, I mean, not before they have a cute little joke yeah. about Data and his tell. Like, I'm sorry that was the cutest little, like, between the two of them. If you didn't know that Data is an android or synthetic in some way, y- you knew right away. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a good way to introduce, reintroduce Data for anyone who knows them and maybe at least tip it who he is if you don't.
0: And it was quirky in the way that data was always quirky, it absolutely it was a very data piece of dialogue, mm-hmm. and a very it was a very classic interaction. Yes, and that is when when he's saying you uh, you have a tell, and he said that's impossible, Captain. And he says <laughs> no, you have a tell. He says you uh, every so often you mo- you change your pupil, mm-hmm. um, your pupil dilates, but I know for a fact your pupil doesn't dilate because you're an android, uh, and uh, so when you're doing that it's to make me believe you have a tell and when you don't do that that's when i know you're bluffing because you're forgetting to make me believe you're bluffing (laughs) (laughs) and he says now i don't know i can't remember i won't get the dialogue right but it's so very quintessentially dated he goes interesting like now i don't know which deception to employ
1: (laughs) yeah exactly it was good it was really cute very classic data yeah and a good moment between the two it's kind of like a ah we're home
0: so true. yeah, thank you very much for saying that because yeah. uh, it's so true and if you know uh, anything about the actors themselves, these two guys love each other. Yeah, they're, like, they are exotic. a duo. they love each other. It, it feels like Picard or like like uh, Patrick Stewart doesn't mm-hmm. want to do anything Star Trek without Brent Spiner. So oh, good. yeah so for for everybody who loves the next generation, I feel, part of the reason that we love it so much is because we know the actors love each other so mm-hmm. much. And it makes that good feeling that we have toward them and their characters feel real.
1: Definitely. I will say, of the only not even full two seasons I've seen of Next Gen, the Data episodes were always my favorite. So seeing that he's going to be at least in some small part, um, you know, part of the show Mm was really exciting.
0: Well, and Data is what uh, Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, his son, Rod Roddenberry, refers to Data Spock. As the Roddenberry character mm-hmm. which is the character that um, through through whom we observe humanity yeah. and it's that character that's asking questions about what is it to be human so it's it's um it's a it's a classic it's a very it's the most basic root you know seed of what is Star Trek to me yeah it's a is, classic
1: Star Trek trope
0: totally. Okay, so uh, boogieing along here, Picard wakes up in the chateau. We meet his dog, number one. Uh, so cute. Yeah, that's a classic thing. I know uh, the number one comment is classic. Uh, he's in, we, he looks out the window. We see he's in France at Chateau Picard. Um, and he doesn't look too happy.
1: From waking from the dream, yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, Of course. I don't know that we specifically said that he wakes up. This was a dream with Data yes. on Enterprise D. Um and it looks like kind of a interesting, sad time. Maybe this is why he didn't want the dream to end, because he was going to wake up back here and be alone again.
1: Yeah, that does seem that way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, let's see. We then, after we just kind of get a feel for him in that space, flash to Dodge and her boyfriend. And he's kind of a weird... Do we, is he a familiar race to you he's just
0: some he's just some star trek alien
1: okay yeah the the pupils thing was really weird it kind of did like the same sort of it had the same sort of effect as those flowers did it was like they were moving in the weirdest way yeah it was weird
0: i either forgotten from previous viewings or i've never really paid much attention
1: yeah, I was like, why is everything moving so weird? <laughs> like, Alien flowers are pretty, but kind of freaky. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you know what's cool is to see Star Trek on a big budget now in yeah. a digital era where, where little things that, you know, it's like, hey, put some rubber on his forehead. Like, <laughs> hey, uh, mark her skin with with uh, Sharpie. Now yeah. it's, yeah, do that. And let's do special effects to yeah. accentuate it so it truly seems out of this world. Yeah, so that's absolutely. So it's exciting.
1: Yeah, it was really neat.
0: Now, Dodge, who's going to be a uh, primary mover in this episode, yes. uh, is Isa Briones. I could be pronouncing that wrong. I think she's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, maybe you got to get through more of the show, but I, I, I don't recognize her from anything else. I looked her up while we were watching it. She's been acting since she was a kid. I guess she's a kid now. She's like 21 years old, 20 when she was doing this right, or she so. Was young. Yeah, Yeah. Nobody looks young to me. I just feel like I look young still and then find out that everybody else now thinks I look old.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have so many gray hairs. It's appalling. (laughs) There was a time I tried to pluck them out, but like I'm going to be bald if I keep that up. So that's not going to be a thing. Yeah, you can't do that. (laughs) I know. I remember that that's why I kind of had my horrible bleaching accident with the quarantine hair is because I was like, oh, I have gray hair coming in. Let's like start going (laughs) light and nobody will notice.
0: You're like, good thing nobody's gonna see me for six months, yeah, because <laughs> I'll be in quarantine.
1: Yeah, I really should just lean into. I'm slowly glo- going gray.
0: <laughs> I'm finding like two new gray beard hairs a day. Yeah, it, like it, if I use a different bathroom, it's like, oh, the lighting's slightly different. There's a bunch more grays that I realized. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought she yeah. was awesome, and for someone I've never seen before, I thought she was a great addition to Star Trek. And one of the reasons I thought she was a great addition to Star Trek is because. She's so human.
1: She is. Yes.
0: I think. Now, I want to ask you as a newcomer. Yeah. Audience surrogate, dodge. I think uh, so, yeah. Okay. I would say so. Anything more? I mean, did you did you Feel any connection there through somebody that you could identify with? Not identify with, but I mean, as a yeah, surrogate? I mean,
1: yeah, she wasn't like a Starfleet official of any sort. So I feel like anything she has to say, it's not going to be, oh, hi, Picard. That thing that we always talk about. Technobabble, technobabble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very so-
0: sophisticated.
1: So I felt like we were going to get um, not necessarily exposition from her, but it was she was going to help drive us into the story.
0: She, yeah, and a lot of humanity, a lot of emotion, not in a very hyper emotional way. But her boyfriend's murdered in this scene. She's attacked by Romulan assassins. Yeah. Uh, something happens. They say there she's activated. She's activated, and then she suddenly develops superhuman ability. Yeah, And kills all the Romulan assassins who came to her apartment. I was into to kill that.
1: <laughs> that was exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, I was like, ooh, this feels very, it's sleeper agent. It's yeah. all the spy movies that I enjoy, or, you know. Totally. <laughs> it's a sleeper.
0: And it was like really well choreographed action too, which is also something that Star Trek isn't really known for. Yeah. Because it's very stilted and low budget. And we just kind of <laughs> walk over here in our goofy costumes and have a conversation. And over there, and that's what nerds, that's what Trekkies love about it. Uh, and then when it gets too much action packed it's like all right where's the story and yet this had so much story and then the action that was in it was plenty and really good yeah. like watching her kick ass with a you know with a bag over her head blindfolded uh I thought she was like immediately like, I'm like I don't know who she is but she's cool yeah like I want more there's something she does where she like there's a specific moment there's a specific cut that brings attention to her foot like stepping on a guy's thigh to jump over the other side of him and strangle him. (laughs) She's nimble, and she's a badass here.
1: Yeah. That's something you don't really get in... It felt very Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., honestly, more so than Mm. it felt, like, you know, because it's kind of superhero sort of thing. Totally. There's some superhero shit right there. (laughs) And I can say that she actually seems to be super in some way, unlike Batman, who just has money and gadgets.
0: (laughs) You know what, though? I think she would be even... She would be even more sophisticated of a killer machine if she had a bunch of money, too, though.
1: That's true. I mean, who would not be? Who be? Like, if you be? can have gadgets made, have them made.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, custom tailored. <laughs> I want to throw in there things that we got very specifically about her in this scene. Yeah. She's from Seattle. Mm-hmm. She just got into the Daystrom Institute, which is an old-school Star Trek name. Funny that it always exists. Say uh, it again? Daystrom he was like, a, I can't remember who he was in the original series, but it was a character in the original series. He was a scientist who did smart people stuff and oh, invented good. some things. Um, uh, I'm going to lose my street cred if I continue to go on there because I obviously don't remember. And the <laughs> Days from Institute always comes up. So the point is, she's, uh, she says, dude, I'm a senior fellow in, not a senior fellow. She's a fellow in um, smart people stuff, artificial intelligence and quantum <laughs> consciousness. Yeah. So even though she speaks to the common tongue and isn't, you know, sophisticated techno babble Starfleet she's officer, she's still brilliant because it's very Trekkie. Um, so she kills all these guys, has a vision of Picard come to her out of nowhere, and then boom, we get the intro.
1: Absolutely. It's very exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. The intro, usually we see a ship flying uh-huh. around space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, a piece of the sky on Earth falls. Yeah. Kind of falls into a, you know, Artistically stylized digital version of the vineyard, yeah. Uh, and this piece of sky falls through s- space, and you know other artistically stylized imagery um, with an interesting, subtle, haunting sort of uh, music, uh, with little threads of old school Star Trek stuff that you would be unfamiliar with. <laughs> Some of it's very Picard, like the Inner Light episode, uh, which is worth a look, and. Then just the classic Star Trek themes in there a little bit, and the piece of sky falls into artistically stylized visual of Patrick Stewart, and mm-hmm. it's almost like this piece of the sky completes him, and oh, it kind of tells the story I didn't see of that. yeah, it's like he it tells the story of of an adventure, and like a broken piece seems to make him whole. There's I'm sure there's a Ooh. lot of yeah, I think there's a lot of um, symbolism symbolism. Thank you uh, in that. And I'm not sure how much is very, like, tangible, deliberate, accurate, and how much of it's just beauty. But it's yeah. pretty cool. It kind of It becomes more interesting the more I look at it.
1: I believe that. Yeah. It's. It was gorgeous.
0: Then where do we go next?
1: Um. I think we are back in Picard's vineyard. Is mm-hmm. that what you've got as well? And we meet, uh, Laris and Zab Zaben.
0: Uh. They pronounce it Jaban.
1: Jaban. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not how it looks when I write it down, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it
0: sounds different quite a few times throughout the show too.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, they were workshopping that. <laughs> well, I think it's
0: uh, Michael Shaban Shaban. I don't know how he pronounces it. I know how I. I don't know how I pronounce yeah. it either. Um, C h a b o n. I think this was a play on his name. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the writer and executive and the showrunner of this first season. Uh, so we meet Laris and Jabon, and they're a Romulan couple who live on the vineyard with Picard, uh, and yeah. they seem to help him manage the affairs of the vineyard and the mansion.
1: I was wondering. Yeah, it seemed like that they were a married couple, and that they kind mm-hmm. of, in some way, care for Picard. But I didn't fully understand the relationship, and I don't feel like it's super fleshed out in this episode.
0: It's not. Which they, is fine. Yeah, but. they give you little nuggets, mm-hmm. uh, and it and it gets. There's a really these guys have a really really cool scene in a couple episodes from now. Uh, and we get them through half the season, yeah. Um, and they bring a lot to the show. I mean, they're really cool. They're yeah. really, they're nice additions that you really want. That I, you know, I think as it goes on, most of us Trekkies talking about it in the um <laughs> want more of. Yeah. So you know, if you were to continue with the show, I think they'd be fan favorites for you also. So you know, worth yeah. keeping an eye on.
1: Being even just you know lightly sprinkled into this one, they seem to bring a lot of heart to totally. the show. Totally because um, they're, they're just, they obviously seem to care about Picard. They just, I don't know. It's nice to see him with somebody who's he's got some camaraderie with Yeah. because we're used to seeing him with his crew who he's very well-established with, and so seeing him just completely on his own would have been super devastating.
0: Well, he, and he's a pretty cold and emotionally distant character, too. Just yeah. always has been, so even with his crew, you know, it's like, the crew's kind of his family, but well, that's a Star Trek thing that like would never be that way in real life on a <laughs> yeah. in a nautical, you know, mission. But he's always been really distant, and to see him in his older years here surrounded by people who care about him is heartwarming. Yeah. And they do bring heart to a cold Picard. Uh, and insofar as they are somewhat his caretakers or appear to be his yeah. caretakers it's not like he's an elderly guy or you don't get mm-hmm. the sense that he's an elderly guy who, who can't take care of himself anymore but he's got these two people that at least are are his connection to life yeah uh, and there's a the greater connection to his past uh, something to do what we what we're learning here. With the, it's not the TV interview because there's no TV in Star Trek. They oh, is, was it, it not TV? Well, like, they call it The Hollow. Oh. It's the news, basically. <laughs> yeah, there's st- TV didn't really make it out of the, it didn't really make it past World War Three, <laughs> in the 22nd century. I um, know, <laughs> it was Good the 20, know, 21st century, 2063, uh, first contact. Um <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let me get this nerdy thing out very quickly. Okay, right along then.
0: (laughs) Street cred established. So, what was your take, knowing that I know, you know, I got more links to it? Mm -hmm. uh, What was your take on the TV interview?
1: Um, it definitely felt like it was supposed to be very exposition-heavy. Um, I feel like they did it in a pretty way, but I, um, I had a hard time fully understanding exactly what took us there i don't think that i was supposed to only that picard's actions in the what was it the romulan supernova mm-hmm. yes okay yeah. so that his actions in it were very controversial um and that people really begrudged how we handled that and that it ended up leading to in some way his departure of the star fleet so obviously he pines for the good old days it seems like and was excited to rehash it on the i think they said the third anniversary am i wrong some sort of an anniversary for the supernova? Uh,
0: I think it was... Mm, yeah, I forget the amount of years that went by. It was more than three. It was like...
1: Like 30... Like 15. It would okay. have been like
0: 15 years.
1: Sorry, I thought I heard like a three number in there. And so I was like, oh, okay.
0: Maybe. It wouldn't have been 30 years, though, because okay. we're picking up 20 years later. So it might have been like 13 years, 13 which actually years. would okay. have made the most sense. Okay. And the, and there's a reason it would make sense. You want something nerdy? Sure. Okay. Let's <laughs> hear some nerdery. <laughs> so uh, as a Trekkie... <laughs> I I I'm in the camp that uh, recognizes the Kelvin movies which are the Chris Pine movies <laughs> as uh bullshit um non-canonical. <laughs> well, they I do recognize them as as can canonical or canon is fine. Can, okay, okay. The there you go. Way to go. <laughs> do you know how to say it or do we
1: I, I just I've never
0: you've only I, read it right? I've
1: only said non-canonical and otherwise it's canon <laughs> oh, okay
0: uh, cannot is it canonical I don't know you don't know That's I don't know I'm either. Saying. I've never used that word I don't know either yeah I <laughs> I, I, I read it and I pronounce it canonical which is I don't know a little maniacal
1: yeah
0: and it doesn't feel right so I don't We say read it. guys
1: right. we read <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. hmm. hey I'm trying to vouch <laughs> for us come on man <laughs>
0: Um, people will believe what you tell them.
1: Sometimes.
0: <laughs> so uh, the yeah the Kelvin movies are made for people who don't like Star Trek, mm-hmm. um, which is why Trekkie purists fundamentalists don't like it.
1: Reject it entirely.
0: Yeah, I'm mostly in that camp, and I don't reject it entirely, but I just think for the I think they squandered a good opportunity after the first movie, which came out strong. But what they did that was brilliant is. It was a reboot, right? The Kelvin series was a reboot. And we went back to Kirk and Spock, and, we told, and then we created sort of this alternate universe where canon was no longer holding back the writers and mm. producers. Trying, So they were basically breaking up with Star Trek and all the stuff we love about it and have invested our whole lives in. Hmm. So controversial move.
1: I could see that making the nerds angry. Yeah, and thank with, you. With good reason.
0: Thank you. Yeah. But it was kind of pre universe and pre streaming, and the direction they were going was let's break free of the history so we could tell some new stories. And now we have a new era in storytelling in which that's a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Let's realize all those things exist and honor them and do more of them and, you know, bring it back as much as we can. So, where I'm going with this is the brilliant, brilliant part of it is that it was Spock by Leonard Nimoy, played by Leonard Nimoy, who. Leaves the prime Star Trek universe, where we're at right now, uh, and goes back in history, where history changes and then creates an alternate universe. So it's actually a sequel. And it's a sequel from Spock's perspective. And what Spock was trying to do when he gets sent back in the past, right where history changes, Spock was trying to save the Romulans from a supernova.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is a nod to the Chris Pine movies. Yes.
0: So this establishes, basically, in Prime Star Trek... Yeah, that is an alternate universe. That is an alternate universe that exists canonically. Canon. That exists canon. No,
1: that sounded right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, though. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that exists... You said it with such... (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Enthusiasm. Vigor. Bravado. (laughs) Bravado. You know, it exists canonically. Uh, It was a sequel to Spock's story, effectively. uh, And... I mean, the Kelvin universe is, and here we are continuing the story, basically from the moment that um, the two diverged, that the two storyline, the timelines diverged. Yeah. So now we're saying, okay, while Spock went back in the past, created a, uh, an alternate universe, and lived the rest of his life through in that timeline, um, the prime timeline continued and had to deal with the repercussions of the Romulan sun going supernova, hmm. and what we find is Picard now an admiral wants to rescue the Romulan people um, and is in the process of rescuing the Romulan people, which is why Laris and Javan are so loyal to him. And uh, simultaneously, the and I don't think this is clear here, which is why it just feels like an exposition dump, and I think that would be a fair assessment of what goes on here. Yeah. And becomes more clear as it goes on. Simultaneously, while all the resources are being dedicated to rescuing the Romulans, who are an age-old Starfleet enemy... The synthetics, not an army of synthetics, but the synthetic workers basically, the synthetic drones that build ships on Mars on the shipyards, um, went rogue mm-hmm. and destroyed and attacked the shipyard basically. Okay, which created a, a deep, um, I don't know what the word chasm means necessarily, but a chasm, yeah, no, that sounds apt, <laughs> right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, within. Starfleet, because they lost a tremendous amount of resources. Mars, they said, is still burning to this day. Uh, Nearly a million people died. And Picard was on the side of, we have to rescue the Romulan people, which in Star Trek, it's all integrity and it's all justice and it's all humanitarian. Yeah, absolutely. And Earth was kind of racist here, which is very not Star Trek, which is very not Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. Anyway, so that's all the stuff that would have been hard to get right there.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I appreciate you giving. I think the synthetics was the part I missed the big. Like I was just like, wait, what? Yeah. What? This feels very big. So I appreciate you filling me in, and uh, you know, also having not watched the rest of the Star Trek TV shows, I did not see the Star Trek movies, which I'm right. already not partial to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the synthetic thing on Mars, it becomes mm-hmm. super clear what was going on there in the next episode. So if you're interested, yeah. it's that that'll start to shed a lot of light on it. When okay. I
1: uh, rack up enough CBS All Access slash
0: Paramount, Paramount Plus,
1: plus <laughs> as soon as I rack up enough of those shows to binge, I will definitely be doing that for like a month or two.
0: Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so here we have uh, the interview goes very poorly. Oh, yeah. Because the uh, interviewer was not supposed to ask Picard about uh, his departure from Starfleet, which, you know, this the way this went down... Effectively ended his career, um, so uh, he has a speech. He speechifies as Picard does. Want to do a couple quotes that came out of this? Any that you picked up on?
1: Um, you go for it, and I'll let you know if I've got any left over.
0: His this beautiful line that I thought he had was he he mentions uh, Dunkirk to the to the interviewer, and he says, "You don't know Dunkirk, do you?" He says, "You're oh, a stranger right. to history. You're a stranger to war." Um. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I could tell I am because I have little brackets. <laughs> <laughs> he says, war is not so easy for those who died, and it's not so easy for those who were left behind. Yeah. I just thought, and I'm not somebody who's been touched by war myself, and I'm aware of that, but I thought that was a deep line. Yeah. Uh, and then he storms off. Awkward sauce.
1: Awkward sauce. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> um, and then we see... Dodge again mm-hmm. as she's roaming the street. And I wrote that she was watching the TV. Apparently, she's watching the Hollow.
0: Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> okay. Nailed it. That, that's Hollow is a new thing right here. This is where this is where Okay, it comes. I'm
1: like, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought it was slang. She must have said it. And I was like, oh, yeah, British people call things weird things. <laughs> you know, Canadians call the, the letter Z Z. You know, like, people She's say, from weird, shit. <laughs> people say
0: <Yeah>. weird shit. People say weird shit.
1: You never know. It's some weird slang. I don't know what the kids are saying these days.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we these two meet now. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. He's out getting drunk after this horrible TV interview. This is the first hey, time he's you make publicly. it sound
1: like he's not being a classy dude. He is drinking a very large glass of wine. A <laughs> oh, very large glass of
0: wine straight that out of the bottle.
1: Weird. Oh, is he? I thought I saw, like, his big... I didn't catch the swigging from the bottle.
0: Oh, no, he wasn't swinging from the <laughs> okay, bottle. I just I mean, like, I think damn. there was a bottle there.
1: Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, of course. Would you not have a...
0: <laughs> Where would the wine have come from? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: you have the bottle on your thing at all times. He owns a vineyard. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a conversation piece. <laughs> it's a conversation
0: piece. No, but in fairness, though, he's out there drinking uh, yeah. after a miserable, awkward experience. That he oh, just yeah. Had. And then Dodge shows up.
1: Absolutely. So they they do, I think they end up doing tea, moving to tea, and then talking. Um, she tells him that she kept seeing, well, tells him about the attack, tells him that she just kept seeing him in her head, and mm. that to her that kind of signified that he was safe to go to, that she'd be safe with him when this crazy thing happens and she's attacked.
0: She says that she doesn't know him, like she beyond seeing him on the hollow, mm-hmm. uh, beyond him being the great, Captain and Admiral Picard. Yeah. Uh, she just had the sense from that vision that she should be safe and comfortable with him. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some there's some connection. I think this is the scene. Yeah, it is over T, where we define that there is some deeply held connection that they don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, and then and they put her up for the night. Mm-hmm. And Laris comes in, says the young lady has disappeared. Oh, you missed. Oh, okay.
1: Picard was er, Picard was dreaming again, and this is where we get the painting.
0: Oh, actually, funny enough, I wrote it in the same order. Oh, okay. As it actually happened, I wondered why I did that. So no, that's right, because we get Data again, where he's mm-hmm. painting the picture. They're yeah. in their classic Next Generation uniforms, which is, you know, for the Trekkies, <laughs> it's kind of an awesome moment.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I have to wonder, for those guys that are such good buddies... If seeing each other with Brent Spiner made up in his gold skin and both of them in uniform out, you know, in the countryside of Los Angeles somewhere. (laughs) If it just felt if it was a weird moment to be doing this again and if it felt unfamiliar or if it just felt like no time had passed at all. And here they were shooting an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. Would have been a very strange. I mean, for anybody who could relive an experience 30 years later, I feel like that would have been a really weird. I don't know. Maybe someday they'll be on the show and they'll tell us about it.
1: It was another one of those moments where it was like, it just feels like home.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. The painting was weird, though. I don't think I I would have guessed that Data paints. It makes sense, I guess, because he's exploring humanity in all its ways, you know, but. Exactly. Yeah. I really liked that. It was cool.
0: Paints. He plays the violin. Uh, his thing was like, how does he how can he be artistic when his um, ability to create art is like mathematic? Yeah. Yeah. Like he, I remember an episode where he's learning how to play the violin. And he said, well, I took pieces of this artist the way they did it and the way this person did it and the way they, that person did it. But, you know, I'm just a machine. So I, like I can't actually just do this by myself. And somebody says, well, you kind of just did. You yeah. just invented a new thing. And you uniquely did that. So he was always trying to find his way, uh, you know, to explore humanity. So, yeah, you nailed it.
1: Oh, well, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there is no indication that Dodge knows she has a twin.
1: Yeah, well, and she dies in this episode. So, you know, there's not really a much of an opportunity to find out more on that if she did.
0: Oh, dies horrifically.
1: Yeah, no, that explosion. I totally thought it was going to be another Picard dream. Yeah. Because we that would have been, like, maybe the third beat to it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Um, So he actually goes to the Starfleet archives Mm -hmm. to look for part two, or the other one.
0: Yeah, right. That's how we make the connection at his place. Then Lyra says, she's gone. Mm -hmm. He sees the picture, goes, no. He says, I'll be gall-jiggered. And he heads uh, forthrightly to the archives.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, very well put.
0: (laughs) Then sees a picture that's a spitting image of Dodge. Actually, a picture of Soji. Oh.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It didn't <laughs> I mean, one of them's got to be, right? Twin paintings, twin sisters?
0: I think probably. Yeah. Um, and that's how we make the connection that, okay, somehow, oh, it is titled Daughter. That was daughter. the big thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's an episode titled, I think it's the one titled Offspring with Data creating a daughter for himself. So this has deep roots also. Yeah. It was pretty well played.
1: Absolutely. Um, and then we uh, cut back to. Dodge, and she is on the run, um, calls her mom, who I got from that call might be in on her being a sleeper agent, not really being like, it's not like a switched at birth situation. It very much seems like, I don't know, she seems like she has a nefarious role in this and I don't like it. Back to the winking, I swear. New <laughs> tradition. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, the the mom is seems quite untrustworthy.
1: Yeah, I did not like it.
0: And then says, you got to go back to Picard. Go back to Picard. Go back to Picard. Almost like a... um,
1: Hypnosis. Exactly
0: that word. Mm -hmm. You're on a roll today. Yeah. (laughs) It's a hypnotic sort of entrancing. Yeah,
1: entrancing. Yeah, it was... I didn't like it at all. She tracks Picard um, back to the archives. Mm -hmm. He tells her about the painting. And that, you know, they start making a connection that he has... That she has to be Data's daughter in some way, some form or another, because the painting is called Daughter. He painted it 30 years before today, I think, is not before she was born, but today.
0: Yeah, that would be about right.
1: Okay. Um,
0: oh, never mind. I'm about to spoil something from the following episode. Keep going.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm interested, but I'll just have to watch another episode. Yeah, I thought it happened here. <laughs> I was wrong. Go ahead. Um, so they're tracked by more attackers as they're talking about, you know... The possibility of her being Data's daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, She starts taking them out, but ultimately she blows up.
0: I think this is the best action scene in Star Trek ever. Crazy. BT dubs. Yeah, Uh, that was good. The melty
1: acid stuff was like especially cool.
0: Yeah, they spit acid. And we don't ever really get a follow through on what's happening here, but Mm -hmm. these guys are like secret ops guys. Romulan secret ops guys that... You know, you hear of people having, like, the the, um, suicide pill if you ever get caught.
1: Cyanide, yeah.
0: Yeah. And it seems to me to be what that is. Okay. So they spit uh, acid at her, killing themselves, and sprays on the um, disruptor rifle. Oh and yeah! Explodes a massive explosion that we almost. She's enveloped by it, but it's like we're seeing her skin get peeled away. It was very violent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: blows Picard way back. And in the re, you know, to say that I think this is the finest Star Trek action scene ever. Mm-hmm. It felt very grounded and very real, even though she has superpowers and she does this giant fast run jump up the staircase. Yeah. Um, but it was so it was gritty. Like this is a violent scene. Picard getting thrown back. Fifty feet was dramatic. I mean, this is this oh, yeah. has moved far from the old days of of plywood sets and and wharf walking slowly down the hallway to you know go shoot somebody with a phaser quietly.
1: I think it's. I'm realizing that it's easier to like new Star Trek because it lacks the same campiness that mm-hmm. the older stuff does. Like, it's not to say that old Star Trek is bad, but if you didn't grow up with it, it's kind of hard to get past the campiness. I think it's just like. Oh, you just went pew pew and it did that? Okay, cool,
0: cool. Right. And techno babble, cool. we techno babble our way to the solution. Cool. Yeah, That's absolutely. interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's all all very fair. Um so okay, I wrote down right here Romulan Assassins.
1: What? What?
0: Okay, and then we meet <laughs> Agnes Girati, who's the second Agnes in a row in one of our episodes of Pilots, which I thought was small world. Yeah, the neighbor in Wandavision <laughs> last week was Agnes.
1: Well, and I feel like maybe the de- maybe I'm wrong. I thought the detective in Patriot was also Agnes.
0: Oh, so, I don't remember. third one, crazy. Okay, <laughs> Hollywood, ease up. Get a happy trigger finger with your Agnes's.
1: Yeah, and did you already mention who plays Agnes? Did I miss it? Allison Pill. Yes.
0: Who you know from?
1: Newsroom. And she's Ooh. apparently also the drummer in uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He's the the friend that they dated once or had a thing, vaguely. Mm.
0: It was Romantically connected.
1: Yeah, it's kind of one of those, then he's into some other chick and she's just the friend who has to hang out with him in the same band and watch uh, the bullshit he's going through. Awkward. <laughs> she was adorable in it, though.
0: She's pretty adorable. She
1: is. She's. Yeah. I was very excited to see her.
0: There was a lot of talk when they were making the show that oh we're so excited to have Allison Pill with us who I didn't mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar with well now I am um, but sh- it sounds like she's a you know well regarded pretty high profile talent uh, that uh, they kind of kept saying it in such a way that made all the Trekkies feel like oh we should be so privileged to have like actors in the show now that people know from other things
1: <laughs> yeah well it was weird because the interviewer um, in this episode actually was a famous actress as well so i was like that's weird it doesn't seem like this is going to be an ongoing role but i mean she was sydney bristow's roommate in an alias so i was like yes my girl
0: (laughs) Uh, i know her from a lot of things too can't put my finger on any of them right now what's her name violetta
1: oh i'm not good at actresses names let's not do that (laughs) i could guess and i'd be wrong (laughs) (laughs) But no, she was always a. Pl- I always remember people by their characters' names, never by the yeah. actors' names. And I feel bad about that, but I can never pronounce them anyways.
0: Yeah, what is it with actors?
1: Yeah. I don't know what I thought Liam Neeson's name was before. Probably Liam Nelson, but it's like. <laughs> I always get something weird where it's
0: yeah. Uh, Yeah, Liam Neeson, that's, you know, like you say, British people do funny things. Yeah. Maybe Canadians just call TV the hollow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Picard goes to the Daystrom Institute in Okinawa, uh, meets with Alison Pill's character, Agnes Jurati, Dr. Agnes Jurati, who is the foremost uh, expert on positronic science, which is data's positronic brain. It's yeah, po- The synthetics. positronic network. Yeah, that's the science of synthetics insofar as... Uh, data in that technology that created him. Android,
1: basically. Yeah, in Star Trek. I don't Trek. feel like they use Android, though. I think they very very much try to avoid that term.
0: In this one, it's like it became a racist term because everybody hates androids now.
1: Gotcha, and okay. They, mm-hmm,
0: and they've been totally banned. Now they just call them synthetics.
1: I wondered. I was like, I felt like they'd called like used the word android in it before, but I noticed they definitely used synthetics a lot more. So I appreciate the uh, clarification there.
0: Yeah, it seems like kind of a political thing where it became a bad word. Not that it became a bad word, but that you needed a show that you hated uh, androids because they sabotaged Mars and went crazy. Now, of course, uh, most people didn't know Data because he was pretty much one of a kind other than all the other variations that we've met throughout the show, mostly played by Brent Spiner. Um, And he seems to take it pretty personally when he says to um, Dodge... Uh, she, she says synthetic, like like the ones that destroyed Mars. He goes, no, no, no. Synthetic conjures a bunch of you know ideas for people. Forget about them. Um, yeah. So when he's talking to Agnes Jurati, she says that there was a total ban. She's a lot of research, but they can't build anything. It's pretty much a dead science now. And she's like the expert at, at what a, was a leading scientific study at one point in time. And now she's just, you know, getting covered with dust over here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. She seemed excited, but also bugged to have him as a visitor not bugged, but like she knew that it was going to be trouble, him asking mm. these types of questions.
0: Don't invite controversy. She <laughs> exactly. she says, I really wish you showed up on my day off. <laughs>
1: that was cute.
0: Which you'd think she wouldn't be. She'd no. want to be here for that. Absolutely. And she's saying, No, 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 like you're gonna bring trouble.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Please yeah.
0: don't do this. Please go home. Definitely. Okay, what more? Now tell me if you if you don't mind. Um, sure. so I don't overly nerd out because the language of all this was very familiar to me. Um, what did the conversation with Agnes, did it help you understand what was going on with the plot?
1: Oh, yeah, just that the technology, the science that went into data can't really be recreated. They don't know how to do it, and that they would basically need a piece of data to clone him, um, and that would be the only way that they could really come up with something like him again.
0: Now, there was a theory that a single positronic neuron uh, would have enough essence of data, in effect, that they could reproduce yeah. him and his memories basically and this is where we make the connection that necklace that yes. Picard picked up from Dodge when they had tea together um, the two circles and she says where did you get this yeah. and she's very alarmed by it uh, and apparently Bruce Maddox who was her mm, mentor okay, uh, and the leader in his field who actually goes back to a season two episode very classic episode measure of a man check it out um, <laughs> uh, who is really interested in the study to replicate, to make a bunch of data. So he wanted to make a, you know, a a race of data, basically. And we're finding out now, funny to see him 30 years later, kind of a bit character um, in a very classic episode, was kind of successful. He was really doing that. And they found a way for some made-up Star Trek term to make androids in pairs. And what we're thinking is maybe there was a positronic neuron picked up from data that they used to make Dodge and her sister.
1: Yeah, we find out she has a twin clone, uh, Soji. I I kept feeling like we weren't that far into the episode by this point, and so I I actually gave Soji like a, a card, thinking that I'm gonna get more on Soji, and mm. silly me, like that's our hook.
0: <laughs> it was a shorty. It was to me yeah. when this first came out. It was disappointingly short. It Was like, guys, it's Star Trek during peak TV. I get that in other parts of the country or in other parts of the world that this plays on tv but like this needs to be an hour long like we need to capitalize on the on the um platform here yeah absolutely yeah tell bigger stories please and i they start doing so further on i think i think now everything's going to be on paramount plus and i think it's going to be international so i think it's all going to be i think it's going to become longer and feel a little bit more netflix netflix sexy you know (laughs) <laughs> Net, Netflixy. <laughs> netflix Netflixy. netflixian <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the uh, in fact it's the the circles of the neckli- of the necklace of the <laughs> of, <laughs> of the Netflix that. you have the necklace um, sort of fade into a similar shape in a green nebula green is always Romulan their stuff is always green for no particular reason except they just for love their green whiskey
1: shit. Because uh, Romulan Ale Romulan is ale. green, right? And blue. it's blue. Okay. So both are blue.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Romulan Whiskey was a new... Th- it's always Romulan yeah, yeah, yeah. Ale and Romulan Whiskey was introduced in, tell me, that's, Lower Decks. Oh,
1: Lower Decks. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the few things I remembered, that whiskey was new specifically to this <laughs> thing and it's otherwise always Romulan Ale.
0: Right. So uh, anyway, they. that's where we meet. Soji, and she's talking to a Romulan that she seemed to find in pretty Netflix sexy. I
1: I thought he was Vulcan. Am I wrong?
0: It was appropriate for you to think that. Okay. But no, he's Romulan. He looked
1: very (laughs) Spockian.
0: Well, what they're doing here that was clever, mm-hmm. in the original series, Romulans and Vulcans were indistinguishable from each other. Oh. By the next generation, they gave Romulans forehead ridges, so you always knew when it was Romulan and when yeah, it was a Vulcan. Yeah, bumpy ridges, yep. Yeah. And what they've established in Picard is that the northerners, the northern Romulans have ridges and mm-hmm. the other ones don't. So now that there's a more variety in the Romulans you see. Yeah, he it's a regional thing. Yeah, right. He doesn't have ridges but he's romulan hmm. and they didn't and i they there was and they allow him to be romulan it's not a secret that he's romulan
1: yeah well that's a shame because on narek's card i had his name and i put clearly vulcan that's all i had on him oh and you I were was so wrong. good
0: you were so set up for failure on that i'm sorry you deserved a lot of credit for that
1: thanks it just looked so uh. okay that's all right well, i don't need points like javon has
0: ridges on his head and yeah. laris doesn't
1: yeah okay yeah, I couldn't tell. With
0: but they're brown hair. And when you see a Romulan, you really want them to have black hair. Yeah. Kind of Mediterranean look.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't sure what to expect there. Anyway. The bumpy heads, I think, is really <laughs> what I look for in the Romulans. Absolutely. It's very like uh, Buffy's.
0: The yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, vampires the vampires there
1: are always bumpy headed.
0: Mm-hmm. And the vampires in Buffy, they have like when they look normal and then they turn, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what are we gonna do, Buffy?
1: Oh, here soon, I think. I would hope. I love Buffy. It's so good.
0: I think we're. I think we've nerded out enough. So much with my stuff that we really need to. You really need to force me to watch Buffy now.
1: Yeah, you know, we've been doing some more new stuff, and I think Buffy would be a good one. I like that.
0: So we pull back from the meeting place where Narek and uh, Soji are meeting, um, and flirting it up. A lot of ships. A lot of Romulan ships. That are flying around this uh, artifact that we're on. And we yeah, pull it looks back.
1: like just a space hub of some sort.
0: Yep, and it's a Borg cube, which uh, means a lot to one of us.
1: Loud music is what it means to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They also had. This is just for the Trekkies. They okay. also had a musical beat, and I think at the end, and I, I think it was. I think this was it, um, but it was throughout this last scene, the Romulan reveal here on the Borg cube, mm-hmm. uh, was the classic Romulan theme from the original series, speckled in there, nicely. Yeah. Mm, okay, so uh, those are all the characters and I the plot the of this episode. Great. Uh, through the plot of this episode, the yes. pilot, um, and how the characters uh, were revealed through the plot and influenced it. Yeah. Um, so of those characters, clear pass. Oh, absolutely. Interesting people, a lot more that you want to learn about all of them. Definitely. So we give that a pass. Now, what does the pilot inform us about the plot of the show to come?
1: Um, you know, I actually had some questions on this. I mean, obviously, we're going to go probably on a hunt for Dodge. Um, and I imagine that these Romulan assassins are going to come in somehow, that they're not just willy-nilly, so I don't know how they're all connected, but I feel like we're going to find out, and that's kind of what I've got for it. Oh, and I felt like it was notable that nobody's been able to repeat the science that led to data, and we're now bringing in this big name, <laughs> big-name actress who is really good at working on that kind of a problem. So I feel like maybe that's the direction we might head in.
0: <laughs> oh, we didn't really clarify this. Yeah. What Picard was looking to find from Jurani mm-hmm. is, is it possible, is a flesh-and-blood android, does the technology for that exist? Yeah. And she says, yeah, that was the Grand Slam. That was the dream. But not only does the technology for that not exist, we can't even reproduce data at all.
1: Yeah, B4 was there, right? Yeah, it's that's the... from
0: the last movie, the last Next Generation movie. Interesting. Star Trek Nemesis. Mm. It's not that it's overrated, but it's... <laughs> it's not that it's. Star not th- I'm movie. sorry, not that it's underrated, but yeah. it's overhated.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I
0: think time's treating it pretty well.
1: Yeah, um,
0: good. So the plot, uh, as I saw it... Mm-hmm. And I'm re- going to review it in twofold. One is the plot of the pilot that we're expecting for the rest of the show. You know, how does the pilot inform us? And what does it say about Star Trek? Um, so, so if I just look at this as a pilot of a TV show, I have Soji's alive. Mm-hmm. Yep. absolutely. Uh, she's in fact Data's daughter. Yep. She's on a Borg cube. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of mystery around that. Yep. And we got to go get her. Yep. And that's what I'm expecting. Cool. Now, that
1: looks like my hook card, so...
0: <laughs> oh, shit. I'm looking at my hook card. I'm sorry. Are you?
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. I totally wasn't even calling out that that's what you were looking at. I was just like, oh, yeah, no, that's totally <laughs> no. what I considered the hook.
0: That's no, you're, uh, yeah, I blew it. So, uh, uh, Picard's out to rescue Soji. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of times they're hand in hand, so that's good. They are.
0: Well, we always say that, that it seems that when, a, when the plot is good, the hook and the plot are indistinguishable because yeah. the, the hook is the plot. Like you want to come see more.
1: Usually. I mean, sometimes it's the characters, though, and sometimes it's the genre.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's clear from what we've seen here. So I yeah. know where I'm expecting the show to go. Absolutely. I don't know how we're getting there. I don't know how it all fits in together yet. But that's, I know
1: the questions. Yeah,
0: I know, yeah, they have presented the questions clearly so that I know which questions I want answered. Awesome. Pass. Pass. Uh, the hook. I wrote, Soji's alive, data dying. <laughs> <laughs> not <on> a work <4Q>. you. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> uh, now that's the hook. Yeah. Uh if I'm just a casual viewer watching a show, now mm-hmm. that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now as a Star Trek fan, uh in in my opinion, this has always been my feeling about it that Star Trek is best when it takes itself seriously. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's at its best when it allows its characters to age Number one, like most importantly, what it allows the characters to age. Yeah. And grow and change. Uh in this one, Picard is no longer part of Starfleet. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to be on the bridge giving orders anymore for bridge. it to be an engaging mm-hmm. story. Bridge. I
1: was cut, no, I was trying to call recall that word <laughs> earlier and I don't know what word I put you in there, but it, it wasn't
0: bridge. Deck. You called it the deck.
1: Oh. Oh, I can see why I'd think that. They're I kind can of, see so too. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> but you held on to that.
0: <laughs> well, there were, it was a deck of cards. Oh. I mean, they were playing poker at the beginning. You referenced the deck, so I didn't know if you were no. talking about the scene or the bridge. And then I realized I'm speaking upper talking deck, lower bridge.
1: deck. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, it's the top deck of the ship, so that's fair. Yeah. When okay. they're on the deck. <laughs> um, but no, I thought this is a classic example of when Star Trek is really good. Yeah. Like, like Kirk musing over being 50 and feeling old and then wanting to be called back on another adventure so is picard who is the great line when he's waking up from the explosion after he witnesses dodge's murder murdered and yeah. he says well first of all he says to javon and laris he said she came here dodge came here to find safety like you and javon and like me i
1: oh i missed that paraphrase That's good thank you yeah uh
0: and and I like that he was, you know, it wasn't like he was speaking down to Laris and Siobhan, like, oh, yeah, you guys came here to find safety with with me. Yeah. He's saying, you, got, you refugees. I, I am a refugee like you from an old part of our lives. It's no longer accessible to us, and we came here for safety. And then he, he sadly realizes that he's been hiding out here, nursing his, what he calls his offended dignity.
1: <laughs> yeah, I liked that. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's a very Picard thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says... Uh, I haven't been, and he's upset that he let her down. Dodge came here for safety and I let her down. Yeah. Uh, And he says, I haven't been living. I've been waiting to die.
1: That's funny. You uh, matched my first and last quote. Those are big. They're big ones. Absolutely. Good things to bookend the episodes. Theme. Yeah.
0: Sometimes Star Trek is struggles. That's why it struggles to be good drama sometimes, but it's good Star Trek. Uh, And when it's at its best, it is full of like rich human the theme.
1: Mhm. I see that. Okay. Um. So a couple other quotes that I had before we totally move along. I guess we should probably rate hook. We both passed. Is that
0: correct? Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I just passed. yeah. I was still blabbering about it when oh, I got in the quotes. Um. So for me, the hook was was the hook. Here's Soji on on the board cube. Loud musical beat. Drama. 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 Cut. Um. That would be an appropriate hook. I mean, that's what they delivered to yeah. us as the hook for me. The hook is Star Trek's back, mm-hmm. and it's good, and we're yeah. going to tell a deeply human story um, yeah. about how, frankly, all the trekkiness has affected these people and how it's affected the broader universe. And, and there's actually people suffering uh, emotionally, Picard being one of them. And I just and I want more. Like I want to know more about what happens to the people.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. I definitely put on mine, um, I put, enjoyed the the down-to-earth nature of it, but I don't feel like we're going to stay here. So, like, I really love it, but I I don't know, you know, it being Star Trek, how long we're going to get that more grounded feeling. But I like it. It was good.
0: Down-to-earth.
1: I know. I <laughs> I basically <laughs> winky-faced in <him laughs> my thing, too. That's hilarious. I was like, down to earth. Well, I'm, ec-
0: quote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for you because you said you wanted to watch Picard. You said you actually kind of wanted to see it. Yeah. And I got to credit Paramount. and mm, Well, I've... Uh, I got to credit the producers. Sure. And uh, originally CBS All Access, now Paramount. Uh, plus for... Finally... Finding a way to expand the fan base. Yeah. Where you, of all people, who's, you know, a nerd in your own right, never looks down on Star Trek nerds, um, but really it's been inaccessible. Inacce- inaccessible? Yeah, inaccessible, And Absolutely. that's, you know, the fault of Trekkies and the producers. Mean nerds. Mean nerds. Um, <laughs> it's really, I, I just appreciate seeing somebody saying, no, there's actually some things that are engaging me about it. Absolutely. So for you to say, I like that it's on Earth, I like that there's things that are accessible to me, I would like to think that based on the amount of time we are going to spend on Earth Mm -hmm. and even somewhere the story goes, I'd like to think it's going to be worth your time and still have things that are going to remain of interest to you. And as the story continues to leave Earth, Mm -hmm. that you will be engrossed enough in the story that you'll want to know where... Star Trek is taking you yeah i I'll would be,
1: I would bet that to be the case, yeah,
0: and I'll be curious to hear once you make it around to more of it,
1: yeah, once I get some paramount plus <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my month binge <laughs>
0: um, so I call that a successful pilot in its own right, and awesome I do uh, too. the most successful Star Trek pilot ever,
1: yeah. I mean, I have to say, the ones that I've seen so far for this show, not just all of the ones I've seen so far, Mm -hmm. because not all the ones I've seen are good, (laughs) (laughs) but the ones I've seen for this show have been really good. I really enjoyed Discovery. I didn't think I would enjoy it that much. I really did. And Lower Decks was just, I don't know, it felt like home because it's cartoony. It was very accessible as well and amusing. And I enjoyed it poking fun at its own tropes. Like, that was... I enjoyed that they didn't take themselves too seriously. It's it kind of invites people into the fandom by making fun of itself.
0: It's a funnel. That is such a funnel show <laughs> that was brilliantly done because oh, there's so much nerdiness. There's so much of humor for the fans to poke fun at themselves. Absolutely. And then it's done in such a way that new fans can come into it and make fun of the old fans for all the reasons it's always been unaccessible, inaccessible, inaccessible, um, and be just silly. Yeah, like You could just like, okay, we'll watch it. It's silly. I could get through it easy. Definitely. I keep forgetting about Lower Decks, actually. Oh, what do you, so which good. one uh, out of the three of them, mm-hmm. which do you like best? Which pilot do you like best?
1: Oh, you're going to make me pick. Like, I really like all of them for different reasons. Nice. Yeah.
0: Do you have one? So you don't have a favorite?
1: Um, or, no, I'm sorry, no, no let I don't me, think so. Let me
0: change it. Is there a pilot that you're most hooked by?
1: Among the three, I mean, I've definitely huh? binged Lower Decks like immediate, like almost immediately after we watched it. So, I would say that one really hooked me, okay. and it was the first one that we did. So it really got me into the universe a bit.
0: Such an exciting time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> telling you, make something a humorous adult cartoon and make your characters not disgusting, and I'll watch it. And if you make your characters disgusting, I might still watch it. I love Rick and Morty.
0: <laughs> That's what I was thinking. You said disgusting. I thought. Ew. Frickin' Morty.
1: Yeah, no, Lauren doesn't want to watch that one either because of it. She's like, that's so nasty. (laughs) He just looks gross, yeah. She's Uh, a Family Guy fan, though, and, you know, King of the Hill. She watched a lot of the adult cartoons, but she's with the age where she's like, "Mm, no, that's gross.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, she's got so many kids now, too, that I got to imagine cartoons are on a lot She's probably more engaged now by the kids' cartoons because she knows what's going on.
1: She's seen Cars so many times, (laughs) like all of its iterations.
0: (laughs) Uh, And everybody else who does listen and that we haven't heard from yet, we'd like to hear from you. Please join the conversation. Transport in. Energize uh, in. And uh, write us an email. Write us hate mail. Write us some nice stuff. Just kind of do whatever you want. (laughs) Uh, Do that by going to... PilotsThePodcast dot com or email us at PilotsThePodcast at gmail dot com. That's podcast at gmail dot com or PilotsThePodcast dot com. Also like us everywhere we are found to be likable, like Facebook. And, <laughs> We're likable um, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and um, whatever <laughs> platforms that you listen to podcasts on, you can find us there. Kind of like the one that you're listening to us on right now,
1: which isn't Spreaker.
0: I was so glad you said was. I had that queued up, and then I forgot I wouldn't say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I keep getting emails from them where they're like, hey, you have seven days left, or we're deleting your shit. And I'm like, you've been saying that for like a year now. No, Sayonara,
0: first. fuckers.
1: Yeah, no, they just only keep like five episodes <laughs> at a time. And so I'm like, yeah, I know. You're deleting the old stuff. That's fine. That's fine. It's a sampler platter. Like, people come find me at a more legitimate <laughs> podcast <laughs> network if they decide they like it. <laughs> but nobody listens to Spreaker anyway, so I'm not springing for
0: it. Yeah, who are you to be playing hard to get? You weirdo. Oh, thanks. Okay, thanks for joining us. I'm Riker.
1: And I'm Shmi. And this is Pilot.